Expedition 44, Matt and Ryan here with you. Today we are continuing our eschatology series. Our last video was on 490 years of prophecy, kind of referred to it as the 77s, goes off of Daniel 9. Now it's important to talk about that before we do today's video. Today we are going to address the Great Tribulation. Matt, what is the Great Tribulation? Kind of explain what that means a little bit. Well, most of our Futurist friends will take the video you did last, um, Daniel 9, and take it as um, a split between the between the last year of the Daniel's prophecy. Yeah. And so when we when kind we of look, a gap theory there. Yeah, yeah. There's a gap theory, but really, when you look at all of Old Testament prophecy, there's never there's no formula that that ever happens in any other prophecy. Right. So why should we take it with this one if it's not the pattern that we see? And if you watch any of our videos, you'll find that hermeneutically, like, we really don't let ourselves do that. Like, mm -hmm. you can't treat one area of the Bible totally a different way than what you might treat someplace else, mm -hmm. or when you don't see patterns, as Matt said, like that, that really doesn't work. So in mm -hmm. this case, you shouldn't be surprised that doesn't work for us either. Yeah, so in Daniel 9, like the big thing is what the anointing of the prince, the atonement, um, the forgiveness of sins, the fulfillment of prophecies, all, all of this stuff that it says at the beginning of the prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. We don't see that it's some future thing. Right. Um, we also see, if you interpret it um, the way that we do, the, the, the Messiah is clearly said in Daniel 9 as the prince. So later, when it talks about the prince to come, there's no other person really in picture in this prophecy except it's the Messiah is the prince. Right. <laughs> so it's not some future antichrist. We're giving this prophecy and the fulfillment of Christ over to an antichrist if you interpret yeah. it this way. <laughs> so, Matt, if I'm sitting here listening to all this for the first time, and I've never heard anything like mm -hmm. this before, a lot of our viewers say that, they've heard of the seven-year tribulation before. Where is it? It's not there. <laughs> so the last seven years, like you said in, in your last video, is halfway through that seventh week, the Messiah is cut off. The prince is cut off. And that's the crucifixion of Jesus. How, we Most tradition in all of early church history talks about the Jesus' ministry is three years, three and a half years-ish. Yeah. So that's halfway through a week of seven. Yeah. And then after that, if you look at history... You talked about three and a half years after Jesus was the first martyr, which yeah. basically sent the church out into the world to regather the Gentiles. The ministry to that generation was over. Yeah. And I think one thing that's hard for people is they hear about tribulation and they automatically go to the great tribulation. Now, mm -hmm. we believe that there was tribulation mm -hmm. and that there is tribulation. And there was a great tribulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It already took place. Now, that's not to... to say that as a Christian, we won't go through trials and mm -hmm. tribulations. And we always say that in our videos that mm -hmm. tell, tell somebody in China right now, a Christian underground church, that they're not going through tribulation right now. And they would look at you like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And so there's plenty of tribulation out there. And I don't think that's over. We're going to continue hard times as Christian. The road is narrow, not wide. The path is tough, things like that. Mm -hmm. But we don't see it as this idea of this great tribulation that you kind of get in the left behind thinking. Yep, exactly. So what about Matthew 24? We've, we've talked a lot about Daniel 9, did a whole film on it. How is Matthew 24 related to this? Well, really, when you look at Matthew 24, you got to look at starting at the triumphal entry, yeah. all the way up through Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. It's all one 
basically a passage that all runs together. It's one narrative all the way up to that point, Matthew 21 through Matthew 25. Okay. And so when Jesus is coming in, we have Jesus saying, how I long to gather you is yeah. basically under my wings. And then the, the stuff about the, the olive tree that only had leaves but no fruit. He's okay. talking about Israel there who looked great but had actually no fruit. So let me get a little more generic. Why Matthew 24 when you're talking about the Great Tribulation? What's the connection? What, where are you going with this? So right after Jesus drives out the money changers and stuff, he goes out and he goes where? To the Mount of Olives, and yeah. that's what we call it the Olivet Discourse. Yep. In Ezekiel, where does the presence of God go after he leaves the temple? Good stuff. To the Mount of Olives. He goes yeah. off to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus is replaying the presence of God leaving the temple. Yeah. Yeah, there. Really so when he's important. looking on that, his disciples say, well, look at these, this great structure and this, that, and the other. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be destroyed. <laughs> it's there's going down. <laughs> there's, there's no brick that's going to be left on top of another. Yeah. And it's because they've rejected their Messiah. So we kind of have this language of Jesus saying something's going to be torn down. What, what is he alluding to? You, you kind of started that conversation, but it's, it's really got its roots in Old Testament priesthood. Let's yep. work through that a little bit. So the high priest in the Old Testament, if a house was leprous, had a leper in it, they would come and observe one time and then come back and observe a second time. And we see in Matthew that Jesus comes to the temple twice. Yeah. And then after the second time, if, it, if the issue wasn't cleared up, it would be torn down, burned yeah. down to the ground. Yeah. You have to remember, they thought differently than we did. So you got to go back to this idea of cleanliness is everything holiness mm -hmm. trumps everything else and it's not just individual people you're not only responsible for you and your family but you're responsible for the whole camp of mm -hmm. israel the it's whole a, community it's communal thinking and so leprosy was kind of this idea of of largely unclean and they use that word to mean a few different things but if you were found to be largely unclean or continually unclean mm -hmm. You were sometimes kind of branded a leper, even though you might not necessarily be a yeah. leper. It kind of came came with that context or that baggage too, because it was seen that you might be holding back the entire community from cleanliness mm -hmm. and holiness before the Lord. Yeah. So when Jesus leaves the temple, he what does he say? This house has left you desolate. Yes. <laughs> so that is his pronouncement, the pronouncement of the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which yeah. Jesus is in Hebrews chapter five. Yep. He is the high, he is the new high priest. Yeah. And he is saying that the temple in Jerusalem is less left desolate and needs to be destroyed because it is leprous. And this is, again, why we go back to when people are saying the temple needs to be destroyed. I, I like look at him and go, are you kidding? Like, I thought mm -hmm. I thought Jesus was pretty clear about this the first time. Mm -hmm. So kind yeah. of a slap in the face as we yeah. alluded. Now, there's some parts about this that kind of bring the contemporary context in. Well, like yeah. when you get into this generation and the usage of mm -hmm. you, why is that important? And kind of explain that a little bit. So we've gone through this through all our videos, already or not yet. Yep. So that's always our question. Yep. Is it something that has already happened or is it something that we're looking forward to in the future? In our Man of Lawlessness video, we did the same thing. Yep. Look at the text and see, all right, so what part of this is contemporary context or what might be future? We see a lot of this is contemporary context. Yeah. So the first thing is, Jesus continually says throughout all of Matthew 24, this generation. this generation, over and over and over. And we made a reference that mm -hmm. typically in the Old Testament that referred to a 40-year period. Mm -hmm. And whenever you see you in Matthew 24, it's in the second person plural, which is y'all. 
which means this the people he's immediately talking to. Not a chance it's future, Not in a other chance. words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Greek, like, we continue to talk about Greek is very specific. Yeah. And second person, person plural means the people he's talking to. And then another reference is there's no sense of talking about a future temple at all here. I mean, no. when he's talking about it, it's right here. Yeah, the that temple that they're about. looking at. He's, yeah. I mean, even the disciples say, look at these stones. Yeah. Now, what about the Sabbath? There's there's a reference here on the Sabbath. Why does that matter? I mean, as Gentiles, and so why would we even worry about the Sabbath? I mean, we talked about in our covenant series that really the law doesn't is pertains to Israel yeah. and not so much just so why would we really care about keeping a Saturday right. Sabbath? Right. If this says this generation and it's on the Jews, because he's yeah. talking about in Jerusalem and the Jews observed the Sabbath, there was only a certain amount of distance you could walk on a Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. You know? That kind of goes hand in hand with the rooftop. Some people don't even get this part. Yeah, it's the like... The rooftop's important, kind of. <laughs> roof, rooftop was an ancient patio. Yeah. Or a deck, you know? They had a flat roof, and they would... That's where their parties were. That was the upper room, you know? Yeah. And, like, today, it's our patio or our, our, our back deck or whatever. So, if you're up on your patio relaxing, don't go down into your house to get your stuff. Take off for the hills. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so. Good way to go. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some other stuff with the context, too. So, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, they're kind of having this conversation about the temple. Mm -hmm. this, this is kind of telling to me about why they're having this conversation. They're describing it. What do you get out of that? Well, it's talking about actually physical locations in Jerusalem and Judea. Yeah. It says if you're in Judea, flee to the hills. Yeah. What if you're in America? <laughs> right. Where do we go? So, yeah. I mean, it's specifically to that audience yeah. right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about... Um, Jesus says it's going to be destroyed, not not one stone resting on another. What, 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 where do you put that, Harris? Well, we kind of get that from Josephus, that every stone was turned over yeah. and there was nothing nothing left utter the destruction temple. utter yeah. destruction of all of jerusalem yeah. in 70 AD. kind of the idea of sherman sowing where he left with salt it was done mm -hmm. it was over yeah yep now i kind of in the last video i really brought out the idea that this was the end of the age mm -hmm. not the end of the world now i've shared my thoughts on that what do you think well the end of the age so age in greek is aeonios and Aeonios just means a certain period of time. It doesn't mean the end of the world yeah. in Greek. So um, they would have used different words if they meant that. Yeah. And so this end of the age, it's a certain allotted period of time. So when we get to the end, end of the age using Aeonius, it's, I believe, it's, it's the age of sacrifices. It's the age yeah. of the Old Covenant. Right. Um, there was this overlap between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We see at the Last Supper that Jesus inaugurated the New Covenant in his in his blood yep. there and on the cross. Um, so there's this generation gap where both were uh, overlapping each other. But when the temple was destroyed, bam, it's like the New Covenant forward. done, yeah. And that's why the generation conversation is so important mm -hmm. in this because they both fit hand in hand. And, you know, oftentimes in the Bible, when we see things that are really important, we get it more than once. Mm -hmm. We get we kind of get a couple different angles yep. on this, and that's what's going on right here is that we're getting the generation speech, mm -hmm. then we're getting all these other things happening too that are building on top of that, and it leaves you at the end just kind of going, if it's not the end of the age, then what is it? And it would be a far cry to think that that's like the end of the world or the end mm -hmm. of all time. It is. Yeah. What about... Um, 
signs. So the disciples are sitting around and they're saying, Jesus, when will this happen? And, you know, this kind of word signs kind of comes up. It seems like the disciples were asking Jesus for kind of a map of when is this going to happen. Yeah, so we talked about futurists, and we love our futurist friends. <laughs> right. They like basically maps of and timelines of this has to happen, this, this has to happen, this has to happen for Christ to come back. And so the disciples actually ask for ask for this. Yeah. What are the signs that you're you're coming back? And yeah. so one of them is many will say that I am the Christ. Yeah. Did that happen? It did. <laughs> there were many in the, in the first century. Actually, if you if you look, um, um, Gamil, who is one of the top Pharisees, yeah. Yeah. says that um, um, Thudius claimed to be somebody in yeah. Acts five, and then there's false messiah named Judas of Galilee. He rose up. And again, in the following verse after that, I mean, there were plenty of messiahs. And this is all connected because it also goes back to our Antichrist video. Mm -hmm. There are more than one Antichrist. There are several anti or against Christ Christ figures in there. Yeah, and there are many messiahs at the same time in that first century around the time of the destruction. So now we say nations will rise against nations. And obviously in 70 AD, there's a major war going on now. (laughs) Is there more to be read into that besides that? So some would say that because there's nations... Does the war between Rome and the Jewish people work for nations will rise against nations? Yeah, I mean, read any ancient Roman, basically, annals of the the Roman Empire, and you'll see that the way that Rome Rome kept peace was that they beat down their enemies. And nations who were under, basically, the fist of Rome would try to rise up, and the way that Rome did that, they would just kill off the people that were yeah. against them. So it was continually nation against nation against nation. And if you study nation. this, it wasn't just the Jewish um, war against Rome going mm-hmm. on. There's several other kind of battles, wars happening. Mm-hmm. There's Armenia. There's there's one in Britain going yep, on. Germany, there's, even, during yeah. that time. And all within a, a very compounded area of time when this is happening with Rome. Rome's kind of getting into fights mm-hmm. with everybody. Now, there's also famines and earthquakes. And so when I was a kid, I kind of mm-hmm. was in that left behind thinking and, you know, I'm looking for a blood red moon. I'm looking mm-hmm. for famines and earthquakes, you know, is yeah. this happening? And every time I heard on the news of, you know, help, help feed my starving children. I love that organization, by the way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I'd hear that, I would think, is this the end of the world? Yeah. Acts 11, 27 to 29, talks about famines yeah. in the land. Yeah. There were many earthquakes in the lands. I mean, we talked about in our Colossian series, there was an earthquake that devastated Colossae. Yeah. And so in Colossae hasn't been excavated to this day, yep. but it's coming up. But yeah. <laughs> but it's destroyed the entire, the t- entire community, and that was in this time. Okay. What about hatred? There's this idea of people are going to kind of be up in arms. And again, we get that with the left behind warlike thinking that I think of Mad Max and the, you know, this futurist thinking of in the end of the world, it's Mm going to be like Mad Max. Did it resemble that at all? Do you think in the world of 70 AD? Um, Read the book of Acts. (laughs) I mean, you got Peter, you got Barnabas, you got Paul, you got all of them taken before the temple leaders, before the Roman leaders, beaten, whipped, now, in jail. I, I have to say this because I'd be remiss if I didn't, but what about false prophets? Same thing. Yeah. False prophets. I mean, they're all over the script. Second Peter 2, 1 and 3. Yeah. Um, Second Corinthians 11, 13. Acts 13, 2. Second Timothy 2, 16 and 17. These are all talking about, and these books were written before 70 AD that we believe. Yep. And they're all talking about contemporary false prophets yeah. in their generation. Another part of this is the gospel will be preached to the world. 
Now, this is a tough one because mm -hmm. as the last video kind of showed, when we're looking at three and a half years, yep. three and a half years, Christ dies on the cross. And I will challenge you again, nowhere in your Bible will you necessarily see them preaching to the world until mm -hmm. after that three and a half yep. years is over. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to call that 33, 34 AD. Between 33 and 34 AD and 70 AD, what's going on? Yeah, it's Paul doing his missionary journeys to Asia Minor and Rome and all yeah. that. And then the apostles in Jerusalem. Yep. The interesting thing is here, usually we think of the world, and the word for the world in Greek is cosmos. Cosmos, yeah. But the word here in Matthew 24 is not cosmos. Right, why not? It's oikomene. <laughs> okay. Oiko is house. Mene means basically political house. Yeah. So the political world of Rome yep. is what it means. And again, we come back to this. If, if they wanted to use the whole world in terms of cosmos, they would have used that. So we're arguing this from both lines, not because mm -hmm. we necessarily need to, but mm -hmm. as we do this, it kind of refutes all the arguments, I should say. Mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't matter how you think of it, it, it just works. And, and yeah. so from there, you kind of go to signs in the heavens. So as long yeah. as I'm talking about cosmos, let's yeah. go there. Yeah, <laughs> signs in the heavens. Um, actually, so I remember back when I was like in high school or whatever, Haley's Comet. Yeah. I went to like the... I mean, I had a telescope, looked out yep. in the backyard, and saw yeah, it in the sky. Right. 66 AD, the, Halley's Comet was yeah, going crazy. through there. Over, and over Jerusalem. Over too. Jerusalem, yeah. yeah. Halley's Comet was in the sky. And it was regarded, according to Josephus, I believe it was, as an omen predicting the fall of Jerusalem. Yeah, Josephus would say that it stood mm -hmm. over the city, yep. which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and he also reads, he also talks about basically signs in the stars and um, these, um, even during the day, um, that depicted of the fall of Jerusalem yeah. while, while Rome, Rome was doing that. So, it, I mean, that's kind of even, even interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you read Josephus, he talks about signs in right. the stars right. connected with the fall of Jerusalem. Some pretty neat stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. So, we're just going through our list on kind of talking about all the things that, you know, mm -hmm futurists might say. So the next one is falling away, lawlessness. And that kind of goes back to the idea of mm -hmm. life is crazy a little bit, you know, Did, was that happening? Um, yeah. I mean, we just talked about it kind of with the false prophets and that. Um, when we take the Bible, we need to read it in its contemporary context. Yeah. So when we read Peter and second Timothy and that, that talk kind of about what the behavior might be in the end times, these were yeah. addressing not the future, but what they were. I mean, Hebrews even says that we're in the last days since yeah. Jesus died on the cross. And, and the words used here, lawlessness, and we identified that there's a man of lawlessness mm -hmm. talk going on. We yeah. already had that video, but mm -hmm. again, it connects. So many of these things mm -hmm. all build on each other yep. that way. Um, yeah. What about the abomination, fleeing, things like that? What do you do with that here? I mean, we've kind of talked about the abomination a little bit already. Mm -hmm. Is there more to be said? Yeah, so this is Matthew 24, 15 and 16 talks about we see the abomination flee. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we kind of had a video a little bit on this earlier um, in our temple, anyway. temple video that we we did. Um, so, it says, "Let the reader understand." So Jesus is pointing out that basically this will confirm Daniel's prophecy and the decree of desolation in the seventieth yeah. week. Right. And we talked about when you talked about in your Daniel video that. Well, it doesn't say that the actual desolation will happen in the 70th week, but the no. decree of the desolation yeah. will happen in, in the right. 70th And Jesus, in his ministry, before he was cut off in the middle of the 70th week of Daniel, made the decree 
that the temple would be destroyed. Not yeah. one stone would fall in another. Right. It's the decree that happens in the 70th week and not the desolation. Good, good. Yep. Um, Eusebius, what, what do you do with him? Why, where does he connect to all this? So it says when you see the abomination flee. Eusebius was an ancient church historian and he basically said it, after Nero took power for 13 years and that and, and Jerusalem was destroyed that the church had an oracle given to them and I believe this was this in Matthew 24 yeah they had these writings yeah. here that said when you see these things get out of dodge <laughs> run, <laughs> so, run, run for the mountains would be a good way to say yeah it. <laughs> and what we see in in Luke Luke chapter 21 is the way that Luke describes the abomination of desolation isn't what maybe futurists think of it, it's Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Yeah. So what he accounts is that in one day Jerusalem surrounded was surrounded by the Roman army, but something came about that they broke off for a short period of time, and right. the church got out of town. Right. And then they came back in and destroyed the entire city the next day. So I go back to extra biblical sources. We mm -hmm. just made a video on that. So if you're wondering why we're bringing this in, it's it's something to think about. We don't need this. We don't need this. No. It's we got plenty of stuff to. I, I hate to say build our case as if we're trying to convince you. You know, I mean, yeah. this is just the way we feel the scripture leads. But when you read extra sources mm -hmm. from the day, it really makes sense. It and does. I mean, they're all listing these things, and and, and it would be crazy to take what Eusebius is is saying here and, and try to pull that into this 2,000, 3,000 year later thing. I mean, you, yeah. you'd read that and you, if I said that after you read this, you would think I was a little off. Yeah, I mean, we have an actual historical account of this being fulfilled, so why do we need to push it 2,000 years in the future? Yeah. You know? <laughs> All right, so we're kind of at this point where I want to regather our thoughts and just, we've, we've been kind of going through the futurist, well, what about this? What about that? And we're going to continue to do that, but now I'm back again to great tribulation yeah so we get this in matthew 24 21 where it talks about the great tribulation we have to ask ourselves already or not yet up to this point we've seen that it's already yeah so is the great tribulation at this point so i mean some people cut off this verse right here saying that all right so up to that yeah jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple but from here forward in matthew it's talking about the end of the world. So I kind of alluded to this in my last video that I did the 490 mm -hmm. years and you can see a lot of people, some rabbis out there, some other people using the same kind of numerology that I talked about to say once Christ dies on the cross it's going to reset this sort of a timeline and we saw yeah. that in 2017 yeah. they did all this numerology and all of a sudden you know Christ is coming back or what da 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 and it didn't happen yeah. and I can't tell you how many times I've seen people take numbers and try to say this is happening this is happening whatever so the question is is could there still be a great tribulation coming well I don't think so <laughs> hard <laughs> to see it it's, that it's way it's hard to see it and a lot of it is because if you keep reading through Matthew 24 when you get, I think it's to verse 31 or whatever, it still says just this generation. So that means everything before that still applies to this generation in the second person, plural. So let's just look at this a little bit. Ezekiel 5 kind of bears into this, you know, mm -hmm. kind of talking about abominations. And so what I want to do is kind of use the language that people think mm -hmm. is happening in the Bible. And let's just say, what does the Bible do with that? Yeah, when we look at this compared to 70... AD, you see that they 
kind of line up. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They're types. <laughs> yeah. So you have one foreshadowing the other. And as we've made the, the preface before, we really, we don't see like a three-way foreshadow where it happens mm -hmm. here and foreshadows this, then that foreshadows something else. Mm -hmm. It's typically here and here. In fact, I can't think of another case. Mm -hmm. And this probably isn't one of those one alone that doesn't happen again in the Bible anywhere Yeah, else. I mean, sometimes we see it with people maybe being echoed, yep. but not events. Yep. And even I put the caution on people being echoed. Yeah, I do too. So, I because, I mean, if we see a prophecy, a fulfillment, and then a future fulfillment, then what does that do with Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Is, are we looking for a future Messiah if Jesus was the middle? Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. We believe Jesus, all things was fulfilled in Jesus, and Jesus was the true Messiah. When you do the circular thing where it keeps going in the future again, are you looking for another future Messiah? Was Jesus only a type of a future Messiah? We don't think so. And Matt, it leaves I, it open. I appreciate your caution with people because you see this in a lot of Christian type cults, though, mm -hmm. where they're looking for more revelation for mm -hmm. Joseph Smith to reappear and mm -hmm. say something else. And so, so I really still feel the most comfortable, like you said, with one, done. two, done, yep. one and done, yep. one and done. Yep. Um, so let's keep going with kind of our, our reasoning through this. And the next one is, is false Christ will show great signs. That's 24, 24. Yeah. So in the book of Acts, we see Simon the sorcerer. And we see an account of him in Josephus and some other writings that he actually, after the whole account with him and the disciples, that he, he gained great power yeah. and did a lot of miraculous yeah. stuff. There's accounts of him out there still being a sorcerer and like all these miracle type stuff that performing signs. Yeah. In fact, um, at one point it was even to the point where they were like worshiping him as a mm -hmm. god. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if... It's, it's hard not to look at it that way. What yeah. about... Um, Eusebius, um, yeah. again, going back to him, notes that. Yeah. Simon oh, the Sorcerer. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, I see where you're going. Yep. What about John Levy? So John Levi, he... Um, we talked about the man of lawlessness. So here's, he's another candidate that some people point to the man of lawlessness. So during the Roman, basically the Jewish revolt against Rome, and we talked about Eusebius and the... In Luke 21, in the Jerusalem surrounded by armies and the church getting out, yeah. he actually set himself up in the temple as the Messiah. Yeah. And he convinced everybody in Jerusalem who was following him to burn all burn the food. storehouse. Yeah. Burn the storehouse <laughs> and say that to, out of faith that he would deliver them. This is some serious red Kool Aid stuff going on. Uh huh. Here. Yeah. But what happened when Rome realized this? All they had to do is surround the city for multiple months and everybody starved to death. Yeah. And they piled up bodies in the streets and bodies on top of the, basically the patios on top of the houses. And he actually said that he was God. Uh-huh, he did. Yeah. And finally, when Titus, who was um, Vespasian's son, who became, when Vespasian took over as emperor, Titus took over as general of uh, Rome's armies, broke down the doors of Jerusalem, he cried because of the situation. Rome hardly had to do anything. Yeah to the Jewish people right. because all they had to do was surround it and they starved to death. Wow. There were so many, I mean, he couldn't even set his foot on the ground because there were so many bodies in the streets. Yeah. Well, some, would, some might even say that he had something to do with the temple being destroyed. Yep. So John Levi, Titus had a conversation with him, begged him to get out of the temple so he didn't have to destroy it. He refused. And that is what brought about the destruction of the temple is because this John Levi guy wouldn't leave the temple and his rebels that were with him. So Rome didn't leave a single block on top of another. 
so between those, it, it definitely seems like there's something to put there. What about lightning flashes, vultures, things like that? We kind of start reading that in 27, 28. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So, Ryan, if there's lightning in China, do we see it? No, I don't. No? no. <laughs> so does this point to something local or something universal? Hmm. <laughs> so if lightning flashes across the sky, do we see it all around the world? Never. No. No. We don't. So this is pointing actually to local. And, you know, one of the things that... I think I take with this is in the Old Testament, you often kind of see lightning is connected with God's presence. Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's kind of the idea of, of where he's at. <laughs> yeah. So it could be totally metaphorical too. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't think we should rule that out because we've got this pattern. You were talking about patterns and whenever we see those patterns, we go, what does that mean? And that kind of backs yeah. it up that way too. So again, there's a couple different arguments and takes on it. And from our perspective, we're just trying to cover all the grounds. We so are. It could, it could mean a couple different things. And I... I kind of already mentioned it, but we're there now to, you know, 20, verse 29, where it talks about sun, moon, stars, and it uses that apocalyptic language. We did a whole video on this already. Yeah, yeah, I think it was our third video yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah, so we can just go, you can just go back to that if you're wondering about the sun, moon, stars, all that type of stuff. When we get down to verse 30 in um, chapter 24 here, it talks about the coming of the Son of Man on the clouds. Yeah, this is the one that I think most people really take and they turn into this rapture rapture left behind thinking that christ is going to you know in a triumphant you know roar come out of the sky and somehow mm -hmm. all over the globe everybody will see this at the same time yeah. which the, the flat earthers have a problem with this <laughs> one you know how how is the earth round and you're going to see god coming out of the clouds so a flat earther would tell you well the world must not be flat because you can't see jesus from everywhere on the globe yeah, i know yeah well, there's more to it between besides yeah. that. So. Yeah. so the Son of Man coming on the clouds. We got to look back at Daniel 7. So we talked about this. Daniel 7 talks about the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And it's what happens when he comes on the clouds is he's given all rule, dominion, and authority. Yeah. So this picture, if you connect it to the Old Testament, is a picture of Jesus being the king. Yeah. And so what when we the temple is destroyed, what does that that leave? I mean, the Jewish hierarchy is wiped basically right. out. What is there left? Yeah. Jesus is vindicated. He right. is king. Now, when we're, when we're also we're talking about clouds, there is a sense that cloud, you talk about sacred space. Mm -hmm. There's a sense in the Old Testament that clouds are also linked to kind of the canopy of the heavens of sacred space as mm -hmm. well. Yep. What about um, transportation with that? So we kind of see in this in this Israelite wandering around the wilderness, there's a cloud leading the way. Right. Do you make a connection there? Yeah. I mean, this is, I think, a picture of God's people follow the cloud. Yeah. But also the cloud can mean judgment. Yeah. You know? And it kind of did right. at that time. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um we also kind of get this idea that the, the clouds will uh, ascend, you know, this idea to the ends of the earth. And we see that sometimes in apocalyptic, apocalyptic language, but not all the time. Sometimes it's just kind of talking about that in terms of day-to-day -day things. But I think that gets kind of pulled in because it kind of veers into Day of the Lord terminology as well. That's why people put this as end times thinking, because this sounds like you know, just kind of craziness of what's, what's going to happen. So how do we take these things with all of this and we identify it to Christ's time? So we've talked about Day of the Lord in our Man Lawlessness video, where it doesn't, the Day of the Lord doesn't have to be an end time thing. The Day of the Lord in the Old Testament was when God came and, and judged and brought justice. Okay. 
So if we see the day of the Lord as those who put Jesus on trial and Jesus, yeah, he was vindicated when he was resurrected, but there's still judgment that needs to come on yeah. on those people that crucified him. I believe Jesus is, is bringing that here. And this is the prophecy of that happening. Yeah. yeah. seems that way. And, and you kind of, what about taking it back to Daniel 7? Because in Daniel 7, we kind of have the, the son of man coming on the cloud. Is that related here? Yeah, because the son of uh, it, the beast is destroyed after that. Yeah. And we talked about in our beast video that what the two the two beasts, the land beast and the sea beast. It's it's talking about destruction. And we see in the book of Revelation that the beasts are destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So you put it all together and you have you have kind of the chapter or twenty four thirty language of the clouds and you link this to sacred space and go back to the old testament look at it you bring in daniel seven revelation one seven you put it all together and again this one's a little bit tougher but i would still and i, I think you would still say that it's it tends to point more towards the time of christ's crucifixion than it would any other any anything else mm -hmm. yep what about um this is another hard one, kind of the, I, I mentioned the great trumpet earlier, kind of yeah. going off, but there's this idea of the elect and, and kind of angels coming down to gather all of God's people and take them away. Yeah, well, it's interesting that the angelos, angels, the word that we usually, but it's often referred to as humans yeah. in the Bible. It this, this is one of those things that just doesn't make sense to a lot of people. How yeah. can angels mean humans but you'll you'll always find you'll hardly ever hear me saying angels i think mm -hmm. it's a terrible word yep. and so messenger. you look at you you look at messenger so god's sending somebody out there but the most predominant word is holy ones mm -hmm. and that's interesting because later men are also referred to men that are with god mm -hmm. are referred to holy ones so there there seems to be this transformation that are if you are one of god's messengers you're a holy one. Now, do you refer to you and I as angels or will someday we be angels? No. We say, no, because that's that's the people God created. So you kind of have to keep these all strange, but I think you're following me mm -hmm. that it works out that way. Yeah, it does. Um, so when we look throughout the Bible, sometimes it's a spiritual being. Sometimes it's a human messenger that's used as angelos, yeah. angel. So it's not an angel is a job description as a messenger and not necessarily a description of a spiritual being or a person. So a person could be a messenger for God and spiritual being, a holy one, could be yeah. a messenger for God. Now, personally, I like reading out of the Septuagint because I kind of implied that Septuagint might actually admit 70 AD in the last mm -hmm. video. There's a good reason to think that because it wasn't 72 scholars, but I'm just going to leave that one hanging there. Mm -hmm. But I like it because you read the Septuagint and the whole thing is tracking this way. Yep. I mean, it kind of, we talk about different biblical interpretations and, you know, you read the whole thing and it just goes, what were the people? What was the culture thinking? This mm -hmm. is the Bible they were using and there's no, there's no argument yep. that that's the way this reads. Yeah, so in Haggai and Malachi, um, both of those, even in the Old Testament, referred to humans as messengers, and it's the word for angels. Okay, so now the trumpets. The, 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 we hear the trumpet, God comes down, whisks everybody away. Is that what the trumpet's talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> the year of Jubilee was announced by a trumpet. Yes, and it was shofar. And it was the signification of the Messiah's kingdom. Yes, <laughs> so, kingdom come. Yeah. So what we have, if the temple is destroyed and the messengers go out, as we see after the temple is destroyed to all to the nations, 
it's Christ's kingdom being established. Yeah. The trumpet that's being blown is announcing, it's through the message of the gospel, announcing that hey, Christ's kingdom is here and it's now. Yeah, pretty neat. Mm-hmm. What about the um, the parable of the fig tree? So this comes right after all this. What? Mm-hmm. It, d- just work through the correlations there. So yeah, so the parable of the fig tree, it said that basically when you see all these things coming, you'll know that like the destruction's near. When a fig tree, you'll know a fig tree is about ready to give fruit when the season is right. Yeah. It, Christ is painting a picture here of when you see all these things that happened in the previous 30-something verses. Yeah. That you'll know that the destruction is near. So all he's saying, it's not a picture of Israel coming back to life and this, that, or the other. That people sometimes make this prophecy yeah. out to be. It's just saying, hey, everything I just told about in the last 30-something verses, when you see all these things coming, it's right here. It's here. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it actually, verse 34, he actually says that generation thing again. Which yeah, again he is goes right back to every it. Every time, that's 40 years. So mm-hmm. if nothing else... I, I can't do the left behind thinking because of the word generation used yeah. over and over. I like mean, it just doesn't make sense. It, it could possibly take place if verse 34 wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. If verse 34 wasn't there, then maybe we could put some of this in the future. But Christ comes back in verse 34 to saying this generation. And in the Greek, it's pretty specific that it's the people he's talking yeah, to. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's no doubt there that it's something that's going to happen within the disciples' lifetime. Yeah. So the hang-up with there with some people is that he goes into Noah after this. The days of Noah. Yeah. What? Why? This is where everybody gets the left-behind theology with. So if we look at the the story of Noah, and it says that Noah was saved through the ark, who were the ones left behind in the Noah's series, and who were the ones taken? The ones taken were the ones that died. Yeah. They were taken in the flood. Yep. The ones left behind were Noah. And so, so much in left behind theology, we want to be the ones taken. You don't want to be the ones taken. Yeah. <laughs> you want the ones taken are the ones who die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so when you when you're tracking with left behind, the whole idea of of that just it, it doesn't make sense with rapture thinking. It's no. backwards. Yeah, the Noah story specifically says that the ones left behind were the ones that lived. Yeah, the ones taken were the ones that died. Yeah. Now. I got to go back because as this is tracking for the next few few verses, it's talking about being ready. And I got to go back to the disciples felt like Jesus was coming back any day. In fact, if the temple is being destroyed in 70 AD, I have to think that people were there with their arms raised going, where is the Messiah? Mm -hmm. Is he coming back right now? What what do you do with that? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, mean, some people think that it's like the, the physical return of of god if they're thinking in jewish terms day of the lord terms and they're tracking with actually what is happening here in matthew 24 the temple's going to be destroyed they're thinking that the coming of the lord is a coming in judgment yeah and not a a physical coming yes a physical coming will come jesus promised that but i think that they're tracking more with matthew 24 than with the beginning of luke where he ascends in the clouds right right (laughs) Yeah. So this kind of goes back a little bit to the just summing up the Olivet Discourse. I mean, mm-hmm. the Olivet Discourse is really important to talk about that left behind thinking because if you if you put the Olivet Discourse where it kind of should be played out with the people of the culture of the time, 
It's really hard to look at it any far farther forward. So just, just no. sum up kind of everything we just went through and why it's important. So if you read Matthew 21 through 25, it's this generation over and over and yeah. over and you, y'all, plural, yeah. second person, the people he's talking to, it's talking about contemporary local events also. We talked about the flat rooftops, the fleeing from Judea, the stuff that actually happened during that time that we just listed yeah. the whole time. The Great Tribulation we see as past and happened within Jesus' audience yeah. and not 2,000 years in the future. Right. <laughs> Good. And how does all of this apply to us right now? So if we're saying... Tribulation pretty much already happened back then. There's small tribulations going on throughout my life and your life. We never know the time or place. And Christ the Messiah is coming back. But again, we don't know the time or place. Yeah. You know, it's just out there. What does that say to you? How does that change the way you think as a verse to perhaps the way you might have once thought in the left behind thinking when you were younger or other people are thinking that way? Yeah. So when we're thinking about Great Tribulation, we've seen from... What you did in your previous video of Daniel 9, showing that it happened, predicting the Messiah. Exactly. And we see that Jesus is saying this is something that's happening in his disciples' lifetime. Why are we looking for COVID-19 to be the start of a future, the kickoff of a future Antichrist yeah. or kickoff of a future tribulation? We don't have to do that. And what we can see, even through this, in the account of Eusebius and the account that Jesus gives here that he protects his people in times yeah. of troubles. Yeah. We also see from our lesson of Job, and we just talked with Dr. John Walton. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was, it was amazing that our role is to be like behemoth. Yeah. Stand strong in the raging waters. Yeah. Why aren't you more like the behemoth? <laughs> yeah, be a chaos monster. <laughs> so, That's great. So, and then we can't try to put God in a box. Right. So we're thinking that maybe, I mean, yeah, this was predicted that it happened. And it happened. Yeah, it did. And I think that this points more to the truthfulness of, of the Gospels and points more to basically the truthfulness that Jesus is the Messiah than a futurist view. It comes back to a little bit of this fearful pie-in-the-sky thinking that there's a lot of Christians out there right now that are really living out of fear. They're, they're thinking if they can just get to the next thing, they'll be okay. And our churches kind of do this a little bit too. It's it's where it's really salvation thinking. We just got to get them saved rather than the the lifelong journey perspective mm -hmm. of, of let's just stay even keel. Let's let's really be immersed into the scripture and what we've been given because we're not thinking that we're going to miraculously disappear one day. We're here for the long haul. Yep. And even when transformation does occur, it's going to be a beautiful transformation, in which case we're going to be working under the Lord, very similar to what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it fits in. It all works that way. And so, you know, if you're kind of out there just wondering what to do, the answer is just trust God. Mm -hmm. Live right. Don't, don't live in fear. Don't live, don't, don't be worried about the monsters in the sea. Be more like the monsters in the sea sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> May God bless you and keep you.